For many, illness is a very real malady in their lives. Billions of dollars are spent on the healthcare industry in order to make people well. As believers, we need to praise the Lord for the healthcare workers that He has raised up to care for the sick and infirmed. As well, we should praise God for the wisdom and ability that God has granted them to heal the sick. Also, we need to praise God that we live in a day of technology in which advances in healthcare are being made by leaps and bounds. On the other hand, as believers, we must not lose sight of the great physician, God, who can heal any and all maladies according to his will. Indeed, there are millions of legitimate, documented miracles around the world for which the medical field has no explanation but God. I am fearful, however, that we as Christians have relegated God to a back seat when it comes to our perceived health needs. Perhaps this is due to supposed faith healers who have employed theatrics, emotional manipulation, and mob psychology to perform their quote-unquote miracles that have left many disenfranchised from God's healing power administered through prayer. In Psalm 6, David prays to God for healing as well as deliverance from his enemies. David prays all through the night for healing. He expresses his battle with severe pain and deep depression yet at the same time expresses his faith and relief in God's presence. And as we come to Psalm 6, may we learn that when illness strikes, to cry out to God for healing and to balance that request for healing with an appeal for God's perfect will to be done. Let's begin with verses 1 through 4 and let's look at David's distress. David's distress in verses 1 through 4. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed, and my soul is greatly dismayed. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness, for there is no mention of you in death. In Sheol, who will give you thanks? Now verse 1 begins with a cry, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Why does David need to deflect God's wrath as he prays? One possibility is that he sees his illness as a sign of God's judgment against sin. Or, perhaps he's simply affirming that while as a sinner who deserves punishment, he's asking God for mercy. A further possibility, and I would lean to this uh, possibility, is that he fears that in asking for healing, he is fighting the will of God, which is revealed in the suffering he now experiences. And I believe that that is the true intention of verse 1, and we could translate it this way, O oh Lord, don't be angry with me as I pray for healing, as I ask for a change in your will towards me. His focus is on God's wrath as he begins his prayer. And he employs two basic Hebrew words for divine judgment, anger and wrath. Interesting, the Hebrew word for wrath means uh, snorting or hot breath. The wrath of God is a consequence of his covenant. See, God's saving relationship with his people demands their obedient response. And thus his anger is kindled or his wrath is kindled when that covenant is broken. When David asks God not to rebuke him, it's in the sense of correct him in his anger or chasten him, that is, discipline him in his displeasure. 
Rather, he's praying in verse 2 that the Lord's grace and mercy would come upon him. Have mercy on me, O Lord. As the parallel phrase suggests, this mercy will specifically manifest itself in healing. O Lord, heal me. He understands that his, his issue cannot be met simply by medical uh, professionals. At this point, David's probably has contacted whatever physician was in the kingdom at that time. And he's gone beyond the scope of the, of the field of medicine. And he's crying out to God, Lord, the only thing that's going to heal my illness is your grace and your mercy. Now, the basis for this prayer is twofold. The first is God's mercy, because God's mercy always triumphs over his wrath. The second is David's condition. I am weak. My bones are troubled. He's debilitated because of this physical illness. He says that his soul is, is literally troubled. His innermost person, his spirit, the spiritual aspect of his, of his existence is troubled. The Hebrew verb here uh, for uh, troubled literally can be translated as terrified. He's sick in his entire person. His bones are terrified. His soul is terrified. Every aspect of his being is gripped by illness and fear. And later we'll see that his mind is even focused on death because he's groaning and crying all night as the illness consumes him. You know, when we read this description, we think of the various diseases such as cancer that patients deal with today. Uh, you know, the intense pain that is always present. And so often in pain, uh, there is anger, and that anger gives way to depression, uh, sometimes uh, guilt as well because of the demands that are being made on loved ones, and, and, and that grief just continues to consume the individual. And it, the question easily comes, well, what have I done to deserve this? And really, we can identify with the opening of the psalm. Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger. Lord, are you angry with me? You know, what have I done to deserve this? But in the midst of his pain, David's heart is lifted to the Lord. He considers God wrath, but instead calls for God's mercy. But you, O Lord, how long? Verse 3. That haunting question stands unanswered at this point. We're given permission here to question God. Permission to cry out in our pain. See, if our prayers are not honest, then they're not prayer. God wants honest prayers. And so David calls upon the Lord, Lord, return, O Lord, to me. And notice that sequence. In his pain, he felt as if God was absent. But now he's calling upon the Lord to return. And next he prays for him to release the, uh, his body and soul from this, this illness, this sickness. Save me because of your loving kindness, your covenant love. Now, salvation here is not simply salvation from sin, but the, rather the restoration of fallen creation, which is the, uh, uh, David's way of, of praying for physical healing. Next, David appeals for healing not only because of God's mercy, not only because of his need, but because of the finality of death. God is to be remembered for his mighty works and, is, and, and worshipped as the proper response to that memory. And David says, listen, if, if death takes me, it's going to rob me of an opportunity to remember you and worship you. And that's why he makes the statement, there's no mention of you in death, and she'll give you thanks. 
Now, we have to understand that from David's perspective, within the, the theological realm of what we call progressive revelation, you know, David's full, complete understanding of what happens in uh, the afterlife and in uh, Sheol at that point uh, is vastly different than our understanding. It was very limited. Whereas in the progress of Revelation, we have more revelation today uh, because we have the completed Word of God uh, that reveals to us all about the afterlife and all about heaven and hell. But, you know, David just simply saw death as, hey, this is going to be the cessation, the end of my ability to remember God and worship Him. And so here in David's call for healing, we have both the terror of sickness and at the same time the confidence in God's mercy to deliver him. You know, in our mortality, we know terror. And anybody that says that they don't know some aspect of terror or uneasiness when they consider their own mortality is, is a liar. But in our faith, we can know God has the power to restore us. See, prayer is the point of power that brings the healing of God's Spirit to the afflictions of our flesh. Now, in verses 6 through 7, let's consider David's despair. He says in verse 6, I am weary with my sign. Every night I make my bed swim. I dissolve my couch with my tears. My eye has wasted away with grief. It has become old because of all my adversaries. Now, in these two verses, David elaborates on his emotional state, and he introduces a new thought. Not only is he experiencing pain, but he's got some enemies as well. Now, to begin, David expresses the toll pain has taken. He says he is weary with his groaning. And here's a mini exposition, if you will, on the thought of verse 2. I am weak, okay? I'm so weak that now I'm groaning. Next, he says, his nights are sleepless. My bed is swimming in my tears. My couch is drenched with my tears. Literally, if you read it in the Hebrew, my bed is floating away on my tears, the idea that David's depicting here is sleepless nights that have ended in weeping that, and groaning. There's a downward spiral here that's being intensified by losing the restoration that rest can bring. He can't even get rest because he's so afflicted by this illness. Then he talks about his eye wasting away. It grows old. This is the loss of vision. This loss of vision was related to the sickness. The crying represents his weakness and illness. And again, the grief, the vexation, the anger that he's feeling. He's experiencing deep emotional distress. Again, he feels that God has abandoned him. He's being consumed by this illness. And now there's these enemies who have come to prey upon David and use his debilitation to attack him. Isn't it ironic? So often that when we're down, Others will exploit us and our situation. They love to kick people when they're down. And so when we consider verse 6 and 7, we have an emotional anatomy of illness. Illness brings groaning, it brings crying, it brings sleepless nights, even outside attacks. You know, e even if they're not quote-unquote enemies. Look at Job's friends, okay? With friends like that, who needs enemies, Right? I mean, they're supposed to be there to comfort him, and instead, you know, they're, they're trying to have a theological discussion and debate as to what sin Job committed to bring all this trouble upon him. And at the end of the day, God said Job didn't do any sin. So stop thinking that every time somebody's got a sickness in their life, it's because there's some sin in their life. You have a warped sense of God, according to the book of Job, if that's what you think. 
As Jesus himself said, when the disciples said, why was this man born blind? What sin did his parents do? Jesus rebuked them and said, that man was born blind in order that I may be glorified. There was no sin that he committed, no sin that his parents committed. Christians should not be a superstitious lot. Criminals ought to be a superstitious lot, but never Christians. Stop thinking that God is the boogeyman that's out there that's going to get you. Okay? Certainly God does deal with our sin. Okay? And that's not to say that he cannot bring situations in our life because of our sin. But stop looking at everything evil, quote-unquote, or bad in your life as coming from his wrath. Maybe he's brought it into your life for his glory. Maybe he's brought it into your life to strengthen your prayer life. Maybe he's brought it into your life to strengthen somebody else. You know, I mean, we could sit here and go on for hours thinking about and discussing the implications of why God brings these things into our lives. But let's get back to our text. David's deliverance, verse 8 to 10. Depart from me, all you who do iniquity. For the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord receives my prayers. All my enemies will be ashamed and greatly dismayed. They shall turn back. They will suddenly be ashamed. The mood changes. David rallies. The very prayer has done its work. David Now David hasn't been healed. But at the initial prayer, his attitude has changed. He opened himself up to the Lord. He expresses his fear of God's wrath, his fear of God's silence, asking how long. He's cataloged his symptoms. I'm weak, I'm troubled, I'm, my bones are troubled, my soul is troubled, I'm fearing death, I'm groaning, I'm weeping, I'm sleepless, my eyesight's being dimmed, and now I've even got, quote-unquote, enemies, and I'm just angry and despairing. And at the same time, he's confessed his faith in the living God. The Lord is merciful, the Lord heals, the Lord returns, the Lord remembers his covenant love. And out of this comes a new strength that prompts David's command to part from me, all you workers of iniquity. God's answered David's prayer. These workers of iniquity are those who uh, are trying to harm David for their own advantage. And David orders them away because the Lord has heard the voice of his weeping. David now has the strength, at least against those abusing him. Not only has David heard, or excuse me, has God heard David's weeping, he has heard his supplication. Literally, his request for favor and grace. The cry for healing, the cry for deliverance has been accepted by the Lord. God heard and will hear. He will receive my prayer. And so with new strength and with health on its way, with release from grief and depression, David ends the psalm by cursing his enemies. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. In other words, that, that request for them to be ashamed is motivated not by revenge, but rather that in his recovery their falsehoods would be displayed. See, in attacking David, they've attacked the living God. In seeing David's sickness as God's judgment, they failed to see God's mercy and covenant love. And so, instead of David's bones and soul being troubled, he says, let them be troubled. Let them have a bit of my pain. Let them have a bit of my aggravation. Let them turn back and suddenly be ashamed. That word turn back means let them repent from their falsehood and their evil and see God's deliverance for David. And in doing so, may shame come upon them dramatically. Thus God will be glorified in David's healing. There's much we can learn from Psalm 6 about praying for the sick. First of all, 
we can see here that the chain of sickness can be broken. And while it's true that we reap what we sow, God is fully able and desirous of breaking that chain. Beyond his judgment is mercy. And when he comes to us in his Son, he's full of grace and truth, John 1.14. And so as we pray for healing like David, we need to focus on his grace and his truth. We need to focus on his mercy and his love. And folks, illness is complex. The physical ailment often is attached to spiritual and emotional pain. We need to understand that. When somebody has a physical ailment, it's not just their physical body that's ailing. Their emotions are ailing. Their spiritual nature is ailing. And when bodies and spirits are troubled, the prayer for healing must include both a prayer for the physical and the spiritual. Yes, we want to pray for relief from the pain, but we also need to be praying for inner healing so that not only the symptoms are alleviated, but the internal stresses are alleviated as well. Furthermore, correct diagnosis for healing is important. We need to lay out all our symptoms before the Lord in honesty and open ourselves to be healed by God's power. But again, you know, if we're going to, you know, just like when you go to a physician and you don't sit there and say, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Well, if you're fine, why are you here? Okay. You need to put out, okay, here's all of my symptoms. Here's all the things I'm dealing with. Well, we need to do the same thing with a great physician. Finally, as we pray, we need to trust the healing hand of God upon us. David confessed, the Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Now, folks, we may not see an immediate change as we're praying. We need to keep on praying. We need to keep on trusting. And as believers, we know that our ultimate healing will come when God delivers us from these decaying bodies and gives us those immortal bodies that will live on forever in his presence. You know, we can't take Psalm 6 and assume that, well, if I pray to God, he's going to heal me from everything. Ultimately, our bodies are racked by sin, and sin brings disease, and eventually death will take us. But that doesn't prohibit us from praying nonetheless. We need to pray. We need to pray for God's mercy and, and his will. And if in his will it be to heal us, then praise God. But don't be discouraged to think, well, I'm praying, 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 and God's not doing anything. He's not going to deliver me. Again, we need to get focused beyond the physical healing in this world to the true physical healing that we all will experience when we're absent from the body and present with the Lord. We'll have new bodies that are not uh, afflicted any longer by any physical maladies that we suffer with today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, Lord, you are the great physician, that we can come to you uh, and make supplication, make request, uh, and, and pour out everything that we're struggling with, all of, all of our ailments, Lord, and that you hear us and so often do deliver us. I thank you for uh, the, the, the miracles that you perform, whether it's uh, by your, directly by your divine hand or indirectly uh, through the uh, doctors and nurses and the technology and the medicine that you have uh, raised up for us, Father. Lord, I pray that uh, we would not be so uh, focused on our own issues that we fail to look to you and to bring those issues before you. That, Lord, we would not be so pessimistic to think that, well, you can't do anything for me. Lord, you are our Heavenly Father. You love us. You care for us. And, Father, you want us to cry out to you. 
uh, and you want us to bring our petitions to you. And so, Lord, uh, even now as we pray, we, we think of different ones, Father, that are afflicted, and perhaps even listening now, Father, around the world, and uh, they're, they're experiencing some kind of physical ailment, some kind of internal affliction, some emotional unrest, some spiritual disturbance. And, Father, I pray for their healing. I pray that, God, you would uh, intervene in their life, that, Father, you may put your mercy on display, put your grace on display, and that, Father, if it be thy will, that you might raise them up from whatever their affliction, uh, deliver them from it, Father, and renew their strength, that they may go on and continue to serve you and your kingdom. We pray this in your Son's precious and mighty name. Amen.